0: I'm Dan Daly. This is the Director's Letter and Executive Insights Videos with a good friend, Jim Holmes, a professor at the U.S. Navy War College in Newport. But that's not where we are today. We're on board the USS uh, Massachusetts in Battleship Cove in Fall River. And a quick sales pitch for Battleship's Cove. There, uh, There's a battleship here, the USS Massachusetts. There's a destroyer, the J.P. Kennedy, a, uh, a PT boat and a submarine. So if you're in Massachusetts, take the time, go to Fall River, and really see some wonderful naval displays. So Jim is a former naval officer. Uh, His last point of service was actually on the battleship uh, USS Wisconsin. So he's way ahead of me. I was a destroyer sailor and then ran a swift boat. So he's a big time Navy guy. We're sitting in, I believe, Jim, it's, uh, we think it's the senior officer wardroom, You can tell it's a Navy ship by the uh, bulkheads over here. And in the background, much to the dismay of a videographer, Logan Seal, you can hear the uh, constant blowers in the background. So there's nothing wrong from a technical standpoint. That demonstrates to you we are, in fact, on a naval vessel. So, uh, Jim, let's continue with our discussion. In the uh, first session, we talked about political and economic uh, China as a powerhouse. I'd like to uh, continue on, and we've discussed it previously. Let's talk about China from a military standpoint, realizing both of them tied together. But you gave us a good background and and really kind of food for thought in terms of uh, how does uh, China's current economic system, is it perhaps going to curtail their aggressiveness externally or is it perhaps going to incentivize it? We don't know. Let's talk about about the military, Uh, something most of us have seen in the news, We've got a uh, high-speed supersonic uh, fighter jet flying under a U.S., uh, probably Navy or Air Force, reconnaissance plane 10 foot below. Not exactly the smartest move from a turbulence standpoint. And then uh, being an old Navy man like myself, uh, you saw a Chinese uh, destroyer, let's say 500 feet, come up behind a U.S. destroyer, come alongside, pull out a couple of hundred feet ahead and take a sharp right turn off the bow. Well, we both know. Neither of those moves are the brightest moves. So, Jim, tell me a little bit, why are they doing that? That's point one. And point two, uh, are these some rogue people at the junior level, or is this some sort of policy? So why are they doing it, and who the hell is signing off on something, frankly, that dangerous?
1: Well, in my view, in my view, it uh, it comports with official policy. I mean, it Xi Jinping during during his term over the past decade uh, plus a little bit has has consolidated military control over pretty much anything that can act as an armed force, whether it's the navy, the air force. Uh, the strategic rocket force, the coast guard, or the maritime okay. militia in the in, in, which is within the fishing fleet. Yeah, these are these are all things that are directly under control un, under military control now, and thus uh, uh, thus under Xi Jinping. I have seen no evidence that these are renegades going out there, and in fact, I, in fact, I would say that would be just the opposite. I mean, it, there's there simply are not renegades within the People's Liberation Army. Got it. So if anybody produces any evidence, I might change my mind, but I don't haven't seen any reason to.
0: So somebody relatively senior is signing off. Uh, either President Xi is doing it from a, poli- a policy standpoint or somebody right under him. And they're taking, I think, I think a very political, uh, I'm sorry, a very big risk I think if, so, if so. the planes I a, a hit uh, or if the ship collided. I mean, I'm not sure where that takes China. I mean, it puts us in a real problem. Okay, so Jim Holmes uh, feels that this is not just rogue people. and I tend to agree with him. This is some sort of a policy decision probably implemented and overseen at a relatively high level. Um, Jim, why are they doing it? W- what's the risk and return here?
1: Yeah, there's actually, I mean, you started into, into we are going to talk about military stuff, but yep. the, the policy behind this, which is, which is predominantly happening in the South China Sea, also also in the East China Sea to a lesser extent. Right. But uh, in effect, back in 2009, uh, back in 2009, Beijing, the Chinese Communist Party, submitted a letter and a map of the South China Sea with a, with what they call a 10-dash line enclosing about 90% of those waters. China claims those as its internal territory basically. They they contend that they hold indisputable sovereignty over these waters. Much 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 as the government in Beijing uh, hold, holds uh, sovereignty on the, on the on the on dry ground within China. And sovereignty if you if you study international relations on day 1 you will learn that sovereignty means a monopoly on the use of force within your borders.
0: One more time, please. Slowly. One more time. Sovereignty.
1: Sure. Sovereignty means a monopoly on the use of force within your borders. Much as police and uh, military forces exercise a monopoly of force within your within your land territory, this is totally. I mean, it's totally against the law of the sea. It's it's totally. It's. I mean, it's uh, the uh, China was smacked down back in 2016 after after the after the Philippines brought suit at the at the Permanent Court of Arbitration in The Hague, which yep. judges the law of the sea matters, <clears> and, <throat> yep. and so forth. So given in that spirit, it makes perfect sense to send out your ships and send out your aircraft and so forth to essentially make the statement that Beijing makes the rules that, 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 on what happens within these waters. And, that, impl- and that, that's, that implies that US aircraft, Australian, Japanese, whoever the case may be, they're basically invaders crossing through Chinese territory. That's the spirit in Put which miles, China is Miles
0: is off the Chinese coast. How many miles off the Chinese coast are the sovereign region? Are and they claiming?
1: Well, I mean, it's vastly farther than their two hundred mile exclusive economic really? zone. It's I mean, they're claiming. They're, I mean, they're claiming a large swath of the Philippines' exclusive economic zone. Really? really? Same with Vietnam. Same. Same uh, in, the, in the far southern reaches of these waters uh, with Indonesia. They. They are essentially. They are essentially trying to. I mean, they're just essentially trying to make off. Make make off with sovereign rights from their from their neighbors. That are guaranteed by, tra- by treaty through the law of the sea. Now, treaty. when you
0: say sovereign rights and, and use the word economics, does that also imply they feel they have military sovereignty over th- that far out? Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's exactly really?
1: that's exactly what they mean.
0: What, what, the uh, just uh, just for those
1: who are not are not experts in the law of the sea, an exclusive economic zone extends 200 nautical miles, sometimes as much as 350 nautical miles, but at least 200 from a, from a nation's uh, a nation's uh, land territory out yes. to sea. And the coastal state has, has exclusive rights to to exploit natural resources within the water column, whether it's fish or whatever, and also and also undersea mineral oil, minerals, oil and gas. So this is a this is a huge deal from an economic standpoint. If you're the Philippines, if you're the if you're Vietnam, developing nations, they need those resources, and, it's, uh, and yet China's trying to claim them all. Now,
0: going back to my map reading, uh, Taiwan falls well within that. I mean, they're about a hundred miles off the coast.
1: Yeah, in fact, in fact, just just within the last month or two, uh, China has has actually amended its claim to 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 make it quite clear that that Taiwan falls within this as well. There's another dash, sort of another, another borderline going east of Taiwan, which which of course sits at the seam between the South China Sea and the East China Sea. So yes, yeah, so they 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 are not making any secret about their goals.
0: Now, okay, well, I'm going to jump ahead to my my, my, my next question because you caught me somewhat. I'm unaw- unaware there. Um, you know, you, we, we, you're talking it's well beyond Taiwan, it's, uh, it's edging on part of the Philippines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What—again, you, you're not involved in confidential discussions, but I'm sure to a certain extent you are. Without going down that road, what, what, what do you think is, is on the minds of, of, of Japan, the Philippines, Australia? And let's leave Taiwan out because they're, they're under a different umbrella there. But what are these countries thinking when they, when China publicly claims, wait a second, this is ours, and do you, do you sit and say, well, I wonder when they're going to reinforce that, or if we decide to go after oil or bottom-of-the-sea mining, uh, how is that going to impact it? If the Philippines or, uh, or, or Japan say, well, th- th- there are assets there that we feel are ours, and China says, no, no, no uh it's it's all within our sovereignty what's the discussion you have at the top levels in these countries well i mean uh,
1: the short answer to is that it's uh, china's behavior is you is uniting coalitions and partnerships and potentially alliances against itself simply because it's it's claim i mean it's claiming sovereign rights from from its neighbors and and nations are very jealous of those rights for obvious reasons the and I mean, don't think of this in purely military terms. This is right. something that is going on 24-7, 365 in the South China Sea, where China, where China is relying on the the maritime militia, which operates within the fishing fleet, and yes. guarded guarded by the uh, China Coast Guard, guarded by the PLA Navy, and shore-based shore-based military power. They are simply flooding the zone. They are flooding the zone within the nine-dash line, and doing what we call gray zone operations. They push sorry, the, the gray zone operations. Gray zone, okay, yeah. You, you push the, what they do is they push the, they push the envelope. Uh, of the use of force, all the way up to the point of actually taking shots with guns or guns or missiles or whatnot, and they're, so they're essentially—it sounds like a joke—but they're almost just trying to establish squatters' rights within within the nine-dash line okay. on the on the idea that. If uh, if if other nations cannot push back effectively over the long haul, that will start looking like accepted over practice time. With,
0: it l- it'll look like it belongs to us. Yeah,
1: it's a, if you want to think about it, you can think about it as a Monroe Doctrine on steroids. The okay. United States never claimed ownership of the Caribbean Sea uh, or the Gulf of Mexico, but it did claim special rights. China is actually claiming uh, claiming the islands and the waters as its own. I mean, it's claiming sovereignty over those over those things, and it's essentially trying essentially trying to. It's trying to gamble that its neighbors will not push back effectively. And again, the practice of states is, is one source of international law. It hopes that it will get acquiescence over time if it can do this for a long time.
0: If you don't stop me, then eventually I will
1: own it. Yeah, which is one reason the Monroe Doctrine actually found sort of found its sort of found its way into international law. There's a clause in the Versailles Treaty which ended World War One saying that nothing within the treaty shall abridge the Monroe Doctrine. That's the kind of that's the kind of approach they're trying to do. If we can do this for a long time, and nobody can resist effectively, ultimately we hold the ground. Or in this this, case, the water and skies. It's pretty heavy
0: psychological warfare.
1: Absolutely, and that's something that China makes no bones about doing. In fact, they call it three warfares. This is something they do every single day, all day. And and the, the three warfares are, Media warfare—you see that. You see them even. Let I mean, look at TikTok and things like that. They yep, can reach yep, right into the yep. United States. Psychological warfare and also lawfare—trying, trying, to, trying, to, trying to tangle things up uh, uh, in in legal warfare, whether it's in the court system, international law, or whatever the case may be. Keep in mind that China is a, a permanent member of the UN Security Council, so we can wage lawfare from a, from a very important sure. position, even right there. Jim,
0: I want to back you up one more time uh, because uh, I, I've I've lost maybe some of our viewers, but not not all of them. Go go back and and walk me through this this zone you talked about that that goes well beyond Taiwan. It's a chunk of the Philippines. What what, what is that called again, please? So I think sure. all of our viewers and readers should have that term uh, clearly defined because obviously China has clearly defined it. They believe in it and they've stated it publicly. This is ours. What is that? What is that term that describes that massive
1: real estate? Sure, you can go out to your favorite browser and search nine uh, line or ten line, and you'll and, and just get the images, and it will show it will show you that map. Again and again, the most basic the most basic principle underwriting the law of the sea is that no one owns the sea. No coastal state owns the sea, and yet China China seems to be trying to repeal that uh, principle within the South China Sea uh, for, for reasons that we've talked hey, about. Well, and what's, what's the TNPC policy? They, do they
0: have a policy name for that? Sovereign, I mean, yeah, they use, call
1: it they call it indisputable sovereignty, indisputable. So sovereignty. Okay, okay, that's, a, that's, a, that's
0: a, I'm sorry. That's that's my dull brain. Yeah. That's the term I'd like to have people keep in mind that they are publicizing and stating indisputable sovereignty. What does that mean? It takes the control they have, not just from a control from an ownership standpoint, out to levels offshore that most people don't realize sure. what is it the, the nine dash line
1: the nine dash line is basically the external border of that zone it, it's i mean when, when you look at it sovereignty it is it's
0: essentially equivalent to state ownership of geographic space okay. in Indisput- this indis- right so, so and again i'm not a cocktail party buzzword guy <laughs> but, it's, but it's indisputable sovereignty
1: yeah and it, okay and you can yeah. google that as well i mean they, they've been at it to Ever since uh, President Secretary Clinton was uh, was secretary, there I mean Chinese uh, foreign, foreign ministers and so forth have been making statements like China's a big country. Whatever an Asian country they're talking about is a small country, it's Singapore or whatnot. You better get used to it. I mean that's okay. the kind of mentality okay. Okay. that okay. reigns
0: these days. Now, Jim, uh, th- this is exactly what, what I wanted to cover, and it's and it's, and it's and it's it is it is really it's really very disturbing. But 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 really true. I don't think that many people. Uh, have the idea of the magnitude and the public definition of what their goals are from this standpoint. It's very indis- indisputable sovereignty. You might write that down and put it on a sticky on the side of your desk. Um, the, um, another, another quick question, then we kind of wrap it up. Uh, obviously, President Xi uh, is holding hands at various fashions with President Putin and uh, President Ong at North Korea. What's your two cents is, is this a, a partnership of convenience? He likes these guys today, but uh, if they weren't valuable, they'd put them under the bus. I mean, I, I don't see them playing in the same league that he does. Your two cents. Yeah,
1: I agree with that latter part. I mean, just by the material dimensions, obviously North Korea does not measure up to China and Russia doesn't really either, especially, especially since it's wasting half its military in Ukraine every right. day but uh, as i think you i think we are together on that i think it's an alliance of convenience i call it the wretched hive of scum and villainy <laughs> but, but when you think about it, even 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 sure. even scum and villains can actually make common cause for the, for the duration of a struggle. I think they will remain together as long as the contest with the United States and its allies and its, and its partners and friends goes on, right. which makes it a problem. I mean that makes it a problem that we cannot overlook simply because it may Can't be, overlook the problem. That's that's what, okay. that's, that's, what we, that's what we care about right now is the, is the strategic competition between ourselves and these these powers that are basically enemies of world order as we've presided over since 1945, they're trying to tear that down.
0: Enemies of world order. It's a great. I've heard it before. It's a great phrase. What do you think, President Xi, is thinking about when he looks at Ukraine, uh, and he looks at now the tragic uh, crisis uh, in the Gaza Strip and Israel and uh, Iran going back and forth?
1: I think he's. I think he's very pleased from a, from a, from a, from, a, from the standpoint that it is. It, it, it is stretching out. US forces all, yes. all along the per- periphery from the Western Europe into the Mediterranean, South Asia and, and potentially into East Asia. and as you, as you stretch out your in- stronger enemy, if we're sending two ca- two aircraft carriers out of 11, yep. which is which is about a third of our, de- our deployable carriers yep. at any time to the eastern Mediterranean, those carriers are not on station in the, in the western Pacific or in the, or in the Indian Ocean or wherever we might right. meet them. we have one Ford deployed in uh, Japan and that's a, and that's basically it. And so again, if you can stretch your enemy, thin him out at any p- potential point of impact, that's a good thing because at that point you only have to be able to overwhelm whatever fraction of U.S. forces and Allied forces is actually on station at the place where the battle happens. So I think, so I think, from a military standpoint, Xi is probably pretty. I think he's probably pretty. So he's he's at looking
0: point. at it from uh, a very detailed military standpoint. He's, he's also have to be looking at it from in terms of how much support is the Ukraine and to a lesser extent uh, the Middle East. Getting from uh, the Euro- European Union, okay, and how much support ongoing is it getting from the United States and the conflict that we're seeing between uh, the executive branch and, uh, and and Congress? He has to say, "Hmm, how does all that fit in?" Now that that doesn't um, that doesn't mean he's going to take action because we don't have a Speaker of the House, which we now do, but he, he he's got to think. Gee whiz, that's a little bit of a banana republic uh, operation there, okay? Uh, so do, 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 do you feel there's a level of sophistication there that he's taking all this in? Oh, absolutely. I think that, uh, I mean, uh,
1: the the mantra in China is is Mao, Mao, Mao Zedong, of course, was the founding chairman of the Chinese yep. Communist Party. His, his mantra was that war is peace with bloodshed. Peace is war without bloodshed. I mean, this is the, this is the kind of outlook that uh, that that animates China oh, yeah, on a twenty four seven basis. They are constantly studying their adversary, looking at American society, looking at American government and military forces, and figure out are trying to figure out how they how they can divide us against one another. Yeah, yeah. if we're helping them along, if we're if we're actually divided among ourselves, so much for the better from from China's standpoint. Great,
0: great point to close on. Okay, if we're divided among ourselves, doesn't work to our advantage. Absolutely. Okay, and uh, I am sure you are correct. They are modeling it. And uh, not to get into uh, your your business, but I'm sure there's a fair amount of modeling going over at the War College, but we'll leave that one alone.
1: Gaming is constant these days. I am
0: sure, way over my my pay grade. Jim, um, China, uh, you have been terrific covering uh, political, economic, and closing with military. Any takeaways for our specific audience to think about and keep in their mind? And the audience is uh, members of the board of directors, usually public companies or, or companies, global companies, and also senior executives. Well, well, from your standpoint as somebody who's directly involved intimately with all aspects and all levels of China,
1: what's your message to these people? I mean, just a very quick one. Would be yep. it's a certainly certainly knowing China, monitoring developments in China is critically important for any business, but especially a business that does business in China. Yes. Bear, bear in mind that bear in mind that nothing is apolitical in China, as as, as I just uh, as I just indicated. Everything everything is everything is geared to the interest of the Chinese Communist Party as the party defines mm-hmm. it. Geopolitical interest primarily. Yes, ec- economics is important to the party, but uh, geopolitical interest seems to seems to take uh, take up. Uh, pride of place within, within the pecking order of uh, China's priorities. So just, just as you size up China, as you do business in China, uh, certainly be aware that you are part of, of, of uh, China's political schemes to, 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 to bring about the kind of world order that it would like to see, which is something very detrimental to what the United States and its allies, other free societies, would like to, would like to guard against such depredations.
0: Okay. So, you're running the company, it's a global company, don't be naive. I right, don't believe everything you see or read, but you're still going to read it and understand it, et cetera. Jim, this has been absolutely terrific as I knew it would be, so I want to thank Professor Jim Holmes uh, from the U.S. Naval War College in Newport. Uh, I want to th- thank the people here uh, in Battleship Cove for the use of the USS Massachusetts. Uh, I do know why I never served on a battleship. The thing is just too big for me, but you did, and you served that very well. So. Thank you, Jim, and we thank uh, all the people down here in Fall River uh, at Battleship Cove. As I said, be putting on my sales hat, if you're in Massachusetts. Come down to Fall River, spend half a day. It's well worth it. So, Indeed. thank you very much, and Jim, thanks again.